1050, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. One of my favorite people to talk to, period, is Anita Gall, a proud DFLer from rural Minnesota, a teacher as well, and also someone who has been on the Flag and Seal Committee. She wears the battle ribbons to prove it. Anita Gall is kind enough to join us today to talk about that and and a game plan for the DFL in rural Minnesota uh, coming up in 2024. Anita, as always, an absolute privilege to chat with you. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you for having me again, Matt. And I swear, every time you, you introduce me, my head grows too big. You must, you know, temper your praise a little bit. You're going to put expectations too high, and then people will actually hear me, and they'll be like, oh, I don't know what Matt, what I, Matt is saying. I'm going, not to, right. I'm going to say this, and I'll be I'm being blunt. I think a lot of people need to listen to you because you are incredibly smart politically Let's, I'll tell you what, let's get to the thing you've been most involved with and what we've talked to you on the radio show a few times about, the, the, the seal and flag commission, because once again, it is, it was, it was time for these to be updated. There was racial elements to them that were not acceptable. They were just bad designs and a design of the 1800s at the time. And, and so it, it's good. You've been part of this. First of all, the workload, I mean, when they announced all the, I mean, the seals were not that bad. There weren't that many, but the flag entries, how much time, how many hours did you spend looking at flag entries yourself? <laughs> okay. I didn't keep a, a tally on, on any sort of spreadsheet of how the hours <laughs> that I'm putting into this. Um, I, I, I like to joke that this has become a part-time job, but I, <laughs> but I have to temper that because it's it's not a job. People are under the mistaken impression uh, that we are getting paid to do this and that this is a waste of taxpayer money. I would like to put that false uh, narrative to rest right now. None of us are getting paid. Every single commission member is doing this. This is volunteer service on behalf of the state of Minnesota. So the next time you hear someone say, what a waste of taxpayer money, I will tell you, none of us are getting paid. We are completely volunteers. That's why I don't keep track of my hours, but it is akin to having a, another side job <laughs> in addition to my teaching load. So it, it was, it's been it's been a lot of time, but I knew that going in, Matt. I knew when I applied to be on this commission that this was, you know, you don't whip out a new flag and a new seal in a couple hours. You know, that's not, this is, this needs serious consideration, serious conversations. And, and it's been a lot of time, but in the end, it's all going to be worth it, isn't it? Well, I, I think it is because to a point, you, your name's going to be on a significant point in Minnesota history. The, the, the new flag was adopted. The new seal was adopted. I think, I think that, you know, it is the Andy Dufresne sewer walk for a while. Let's just be honest about it. But it is at the same time, at the end of the day, you've done something very good here and you've, you've, you tried to make things better for Minnesota, which I think in the end you guys are going to have done. Um, what was with all the lasers on loons? Can you, can you explain that one to me? Those, those, okay, someone actually explained that to me, and that is referencing back. So apparently, recently, the country of New Zealand ha- attempted a flag redesign, yeah. and they had uh, put a kiwi. There were submissions having the kiwi bird, which I believe is their national bird, yeah. um, on the flag. And then there were riffs on that and spoofs of having laser-eyed kiwis. 
so that is carried over, I believe, into our own flag redesign process where, yeah, a number of submittals had laser-eyed loons, which are hilarious. And I will say, I, I laughed too. I laughed at the laser-eyed loons. I laughed at the picture of someone's dog. I laughed at duck, duck, gray duck, but yeah. ultimately probably not appropriate for a state flag. Well, it, it was gimmicky. And I, I don't want to necessarily so, – because sometimes gimmicky is fun. You know, Bodie McBoatface. I mean, sometimes it is fun. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we, you, you have to take the serious level here. One of the things I, I liked about your perspective was that, you know, you wanted to make sure – we. I mean, and this is the tough part, the whole thing. How do you design a flag that is – tries to to recognize the very distinct areas of the state, you know, the the Northwoods, the metro area, the farming country. And obviously, one of the things that you coming from farming country, you want to make sure that it's represented well in a flag or a seal design. By the way, can I just say this about the seal design? You guys nailed it. That seal is spectacular. And it really is. That's a, that's one you put on a T-shirt right there. Uh, I, and even with the upgrades that I saw that you guys had done a few weeks back, that that was just well done. I mean, making sure it represents all the state is important. How much was it a learning process for you to not only defend and say, hey, no, let's make sure the re- agricultural areas are covered here, but as well making sure you listen to the other parts of the state and say, oh, OK, well, yeah, we need to make sure that that's covered, too. Yeah. Yes, as as you were aware, uh, my criticisms about not putting loons on a flag because I did not believe they represented all parts of the state, which was echoed by another commission member. It wasn't just me. and the, Another commission member from southern Minnesota made that point as well. Um, I, I did not realize what a firestorm of uh, criticism that would, mm. <laughs> that would elicit. Um, I was a bit unprepared for that. But I do feel my role on this commission is to be a voice of greater Minnesota because sometimes these commissions tend to be metro dominated. Yeah. So I really, I really see my role as to bring the voice of greater Minnesota and even more specifically, the voice of the agricultural, you know, people of Minnesota who again often feel overlooked and feel that the metro voices dominate. But I have really made it a point to go out and talk to people down where I live in southwest Minnesota and say, what do you think of these flag designs? Which one do you support? Which one do you think I should support? What do you want to see? And many voices told me, don't let them forget about the agricultural part of the state. Please, you know, please have some representation. And so I have I have considered that and I have brought that to the commission despite the, the the firestorm of controversy that sometimes elicits but again I view my role is to be a voice of the people of if I can call it that my constituency of my part of Minnesota and, and I continue to do that well and there's also a longevity issue I mean there's there's a lot of people that have pointed to uh, nature experts who have said that if the climate still keeps warming like this, all of Minnesota won't have loons in it before too long. It's, it really is actually within 40, 50 years. And you want a flag that at least, you know, this is not something, it should not be like license plates on cars in these states where there's 15, 16 different versions. It used to be you had one or two versions that was it. And now every state has 40 different versions of license plates. You don't want to do that with a flag or a seal. You want to make sure it's something that's longevity. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, do you feel as if when we get done with the process here, you are going to have something that 100, 120 years down the road will still be, you know, 
and I'm going to use the term iconic, but I mean it, that's what it is. It's 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 representative, an iconic representative of Minnesota. Do you feel that that at the end of this that that will be the case that in a hundred years or so that it will still be there and people will be like, oh yeah, it's a good flag, good seal. Well, I hope so. I mean, that's one of our goals, right? And we have considered that from the beginning. We've had uh, the advice of flag experts uh, who have said, create a flag that's timeless, that, you know, doesn't scream, oh, that's so 2023. Uh, create a flag that you can look back on that, and it withstands the test of time. And as a historian, I'm very conscious of that, too. We don't want trendy-looking flags. We don't want logo-y-looking flags. And so I do believe that any one of the six finalists that we came up with and then narrowed down to, to three and continue to work on, these all have a timeless quality that no matter when you look at it, if it's 50 years from now, if it's 100 years from now, it's, if it's my great-great-grandchildren looking at it, they will say, yeah, that's a good flag. It withstood the test of time. So we are really considering that as a commission. I had someone send me one that was it was Prince with laser eyes, and I said, "Okay, now <laughs> now we're cooking." <laughs> and you are right. You what you don't want to make it a sign of the time, but at the same time, you know there were it did open up. I think to a lot of people. I think they got it. It this should be lighthearted. It should be fun. And if I'm Ken, there are going to be commissions and committees like this in the future. It's it's so important that representation is there. And I I did it on my city council. I was on planning and zoning in my city, and I was there for four years. It was an incredibly rewarding experience. I understand and understood how the city runs a lot better. That's for sure. So you know, when it comes to this stuff, I mean, let's you know, I'll let you take the floor on this and. Talk about the importance that if something like this, an opportunity like this comes up, that people should grab for it. It might not be a flag or a model. It might be something else. But it's it's important that people go on out there and are part of these processes because, yeah, it's a bit of sausage making, but this is what keeps the state going. Absolutely. And, you know, that's how I ended up on this commission. I just took advantage. I didn't take advantage. I grabbed and pursued an opportunity that was presented to me. You know, I'm just a nobody from rural Minnesota, right? I'm a farm kid who became a teacher and lives in the farthest southwest corner of the state. I'm nobody special. I'm nobody important. I'm not some, you know, powerful politician. But I saw this, that this all these commissions, state commissions, were looking for people to serve on the commissions. So I scrolled through the list, and I saw this one, and I thought, wow. This is not, this seems interesting. I would love to be part of history. I'm a historian. I have, you know, a, a perspective on history that I think could be valuable to this committee. I have no graphic design skills or experience. <laughs> not a bit. I didn't know a thing about redesigning a flag or graphic design or color schemes and all this stuff. But here is an opportunity and I saw that there were three open seats on this commission and I thought, well, what does it hurt to apply? Uh-huh. Right? As my dad always says, the worst they can do is say no. Well, then I'm I'm no farther behind than I was if they say no, but let's take a chance. I'll throw my hat into the ring. So I did. And then a couple weeks later, got the call from a staffer in the governor's office saying, the governor selected you to be one of these three seats open to the public. Well, there you go. Just this random person from Southwest Minnesota, now part of this historical process that will affect all Minnesotans. So when you see these opportunities, 
try, right? Just try. Throw your hat in the ring. Maybe you, too, can, you know, have an impact in your community. Uh, I, I'm going to get mad at you if you start bad-mouthing yourself again because you are absolutely perfect to be on this committee. And as far as I can I can tell, I mean, there's very few people that would be better qualified. You brought a lot to the table, and you always do, Anita. Uh, and and so I, I can't tell you how tickle pink that I am, yet you're a part of this. And and, and I, like I said, I hope it stands the test of time. Anita Gall joining us right now. Uh, by the way, we met, should mention you are a teacher at Minnesota West Community and Technical College, correct? That is correct. Ah, so you know your stuff historically, and you know your stuff politically, because we should mention as well, you have run for office as a DFLer in these red districts. It you, We've had you on. You, you did an, an, an incredible article for, I think it was Minnesota Reformer, and we talked to you about that afterwards, and, and your experience as running in these deep red uh, districts as a DFLer. I said point blank this last election cycle back in 2022 the dfl doesn't have the trifecta if not for you and the other dflers that ran in these deep red districts preventing the gop from taking them for granted and basically forcing them to spend money and time holding those seats you guys play an incredibly important role but i look at i was talking to someone today and i I was looking at the all the stuff the dfl did this last session and i said you know who probably much is going to benefit most of all from a lot of these things is rural Minnesotans. There's a ton of programs out there that are going to go address immediate needs in outstate Minnesota, and that's a good thing. Yet, how I want to talk to you about 2024. How do you take what is a, a boon for a lot of the state, including rural Minnesota, in this DFL trifecta agenda that's got passed, a lot of things that are going to help a lot of people in the state of Minnesota? How do you think the DFL can get out there and translate that into votes and winning some of these districts that have been voting Republican for so long? Well, isn't that the $10,000 question, right? What is the message that can flip the red parts of the state blue? Or if not blue, how about purple? Um, So that is something we do struggle with in in outstate Minnesota in these red districts. But I believe that I think we need to avoid the, the mud of, you know, going into all the, the naysayer and the doomsdayers of, that we hear from the other side, from the GOP, and we just consistently, consistently keep the, the message positive and highlight the achievements of the DFL trifecta. Mm-hmm. Look at what the Democrats have done for you. Look at how they've gotten money to our public schools, even out here in greater Minnesota. How all our kids can now, in public schools, can now have free breakfast and lunch. And your kid doesn't have to go in the, oh, you're in the free and reduced lunch line, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember that as a kid, getting free and reduced lunch. You know, we, we don't need to do that anymore. If you're a kid, if you go to a Minnesota school, you can eat. We feed kids here, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can keep promoting the message, look at what we are getting done. Look at what we are getting done. You elect Democrats. We go to work for you. Look at everything we can get done for you and how we're improving your life. We are making things better. Mm-hmm. I know down in the, in the Lyon County DFL, of which I serve as the chair, we had a whole banner made for parade season. Just listing, look at what the Minnesota DFL did for you. And we just listed them. It was a whole banner, and we created that banner. We hung it up behind our fair booth. We marched it in parades this summer just to drive home the message. 
The Democrats are getting stuff done, and it makes your life better. You know, appealing to that that direct appeal. Um, you know, you know, school lunch. I, you know, five hundred dollars. That's five hundred dollars per kid per year, mm-hmm. right there. That's a tax cut, kids. That's one way you can look at it very easily. Um, the, the 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 college, the free college aspect that they put put through, paid family leave. I mean, I, I think that I, I know people in rural Minnesota that work at jobs where if, you know, God forbid, a parent all of a sudden was sick or took a mm-hmm. fall and they needed to take some time. That wasn't an option that they were they were having to drive six hours, you know, on a weekend to go you know, on a Friday night to go basically drive across the state to go take care of a family member or something like that. You know, I think you're if you're to pick out the few issues here that would be like the most the ones that would resonate best of all in these communities that you said you just run with these these have got some bite that what would what would you tell dfl candidates and the dfl itself to say get ready this is your agenda this is your marketing campaign for 2024 i guess it's hard it's hard to give advice because we just don't always know what the effective messaging strategy is, and, and we try different things. But, again, I would just say keep the message positive. Don't get into this, try to argue with people like, oh, no, you know, this is actually what the truth is. These are the facts. Can I tell you the facts? Because I don't think arguing is, is the way to win votes. It's just that relentlessly positive message. And, and keep trying, you know, which of the, the achievements of the trifecta, you know, gauge your audience a little bit. Which ones do you think will, will speak to them? How about that, you know, crappy bridge that you have to you cross every time you go to work, right? Mm-hmm. That culvert needs replacing. That bridge is crap. This road, aren't you glad the Democrats are finally fixing this road that you have to take every day and, you know, you're, the, you have to haul your livestock trailer down? And keep trying different messages for different audiences. And just, you know, this isn't going to flip overnight, Matt. It might not flip in the 2024 election, but we keep keep that, that positive message up, keep highlighting. And maybe after the 2024 legislative session, there'll be even more achievements, right? Mm-hmm. Even more that we can bring to the people of greater Minnesota and say, and look at this. How about this, these achievements, and just keep relentlessly pointing out the positive things that Democrats are doing and improving improving lives for, you know, everybody in the state of Minnesota, including greater Minnesota. Well, and I think that you said it. It's, it's, it's just, it's you. yes, there are some seats you're just not going to win. But right. we've, we, if you look at Wisconsin, one of the problems they have over there is that the DFL over, or the Democrats in Wisconsin, they don't run in certain districts. And it shows the reason why they haven't been able to get the, the Democrats back in control, I think, is, well, when you have a, a third of the state not even having a choice of a Democrat, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to have a problem. It is 100 percent. And I know it, it's not it's not easy. It's very hard. It's very difficult. It's it, it can be a drag on you. But the reality is running Democrats, DFLers in every one of these districts. This is how you get majorities, because it basically makes the entire state in play and the Republicans really have a hard time when they have to defend the entire state. So even though it might not be a win, having the DFLers there with that message, it's, it is helping a lot. And it did help a lot in 2022 and this last session. I think you're right. It, let's be honest. It is hard to find people to run in, in red districts like that, to find Democrats to run. But like I say, it's really not a democracy, is it, if you don't have a choice? Yeah. That's not really democracy. And so 
it's it's hard to find candidates, but we continually we, we go out and recruit. We ask people, think of someone who you know would be a good candidate, and, and we talk to them, and we talk to people to consider it. And and after I ran in last year, and and I lost, it, it, it was it was tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough to think I did all of that work, and I sacrificed all of that time, and my family, in a sense, sacrificed all that too. Because it's not just you; it, it's your family. <laughs> and and I lost. And was it worth? <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> was it worth it? Said my brother to me. Was it worth it? And and I I think back, and I think. I helped, you know, like you said, I helped divert resources so that we could win the trifecta mm-hmm. in the state. I gave people a choice on the ballot. I also inspired other people to run. You know, even as a Democrat, if you're running and, and you know you lose, but other people told me, you know what, I saw that you ran, and so I ran for school board in my community. And so it's the ripple effect, Matt. It's the ripple effect. It might not be you that makes the change right away overnight, but you can inspire others. And eventually that ripples, ripples create a wave. So we keep working on making those ripples. Anita Gall, uh, Anita, that was quick. Uh, That was absolutely quick. Uh, You are an absolute gem. Thanks for helping out with the state in the flag and the seal competition, uh, as well as also I I look forward to your leadership out in uh, the western part of the state. Uh, We thank God the DFL has leaders like you in it, as uh, this is one of the reasons why we're, we're kicking butt statewide. So thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. No problem. Thank you for having me. You got it. Anita Gall joining us. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.